Greetings, future lovers. This is Killstreak episode 67. We're getting close. Damn. Getting close. <laughs> well, we should do something. We should do something. Oh, my God. You know what I realized? Uh, before what? you left for three weeks, abandoned me for three Sorry. weeks. We haven't. We've seen each other, actually. We've seen each other in person. Mike stayed at my house. Uh, but uh, Mike's been traveling around the, the country. I almost said the globe. That's inaccurate. Uh <laughs> And I was like, oh, you know, during that time, I'll do another Killstreak theme. I'll update it. Right, <laughs> right. And I didn't. <laughs> but it's still in the cards. I got, you know, I have a whole month to myself coming up where my wife and son are out of town mm-hmm. for like a month. So I'll, uh, maybe I'll do it then. I'm very jealous of you because, oh yeah, hey everybody, I'm Mike Price. That's Eric Gosselin. Hi. We're, we're We're doing the podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, because I can't. I'm not a musician. I like to, I'm a singer. I like to sing, but I like can't compose anything. Mm. And I think it's so cool that you have like this whole, and this is just to put a little pressure on you too. It's not actually, but it will, or it might not. Anyways, I got to learn a new way of talking. This is untenable. <laughs> untenable yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, my point is like, there are so many cool directions you could go in to like steal some sort of inspiration, thematic, like this version of the kill streak theme will be blah, blah, blah. And this yeah. Will be yeah. Blah, 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 you know? So anyways, it's like uh, no pressure, but there's a lot of really fun options out there. I've been thinking about it. I have an idea, but uh, it might be too, uh, simple of an idea i, I mm-hmm. i'll we'll see i'm sure i'll send you versions and you'll sign yeah. off on or not sure. sign off on it'll be fun though it's something i really like to do when i have time is to like just fuck around on garage bands i want to get into like more traditional synthesizers and like yeah. sequencers and stuff i have a couple on like my wish list but those are so complicated and i don't really know i don't have like the proper software to work with them i don't think gotcha but no, well, well, I mean, it's a good excuse to learn, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess if uh, I wanted to invest in like a desktop computer and like Ableton or something like that, that would I've, mm-hmm. I've always been tempted to do so. I know we're always talking about other podcasts, but let's keep talking about other podcasts. Do sure. you ever listen to uh, How Did This Get Played? No, I never even heard of it. Oh, really? Okay, so it is a, well, you can guess where it takes some of its inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Uh, so inspired in part by how did this get made uh classic movie review podcast great um but it is hosted by nick weiger of doughboys fame okay and the very funny heather ann campbell oh i'm sorry yes i have heard of this the video game one yeah yes it's a video game podcast and also i should say formerly like still producer but has also sort of become third chair uh matt apodaca another very funny comedian and they, they review weird or bad video games, but they have an amazing uh, music guy who redoes, like what I'm talking about, he redoes their theme for every episode. Oh my God. And like, does it inspired by, the in some way, the game, game that they're covering that week. Yeah. Oh, that's intense. And I was like, the, I, it blows my mind. And I guess they just finished doing a year of podcasts, I think, which, by the way, we should talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, but uh, and was was remarking that, yeah, it's like he's written like 100 original versions of the same song in the last year. It's Crazy. Like so nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, so p- p- is pick this, it up. <laughs> this is our year anniversary, isn't it? 
It is. This podcast, I mean, we're gonna we will have missed the official anniversary by six days, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially a week, but I've been gone for three weeks, so this is certainly the first time we've recorded. Uh yeah, May twenty fifth was the drop of the first episode oh my God. of Killstreak. So here mm-hmm. we go. We what should have. We should have gotten three more episodes done so we could have done episode sixty nine on the one year on the one year anniversary, I know. Fucking drop the ball, yeah, man. We gotta. We should do something special for sixty nine. <laughs> should we just delay the celebration of the one year anniversary for two more to sixty nine? I think yeah. so. I think so. Yeah, let's do that. Let's just say okay. episode sixty nine will be our one year anniversary, and we'll be going to town on each other, and it'll be fun. For <laughs> <laughs> it'll be sort of fun. It'll be it'll be less fun for the person but more fun total because both people are having some fun yeah but they're yeah. having less fun than they would regularly normally yeah because yeah. you have to concentrate but also yeah yeah okay yeah okay. back in my single days i love doing episodes like that where i was having slightly less fun because then i wouldn't get too excited and then run out of gas to finish the episode yeah you know? that's it sometimes that episode gets over is over really quickly yeah, and then the uh, people are, are are upset. They're like, yeah. "Wow, that episode why was that episode was so, so short? short. <laughs> <laughs> Barely got through the intro. <laughs> Ran out of steam. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Then he started crying after. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I lash out hostility all the way. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> Redirect. No, I'm just kidding. I've never done that, and I mean that. I'm not joking. I'm, yeah. I that's. Believe. I also cry. I'm a crier too. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, this week, Bride of Reanimator. It's been so long since we've recorded, and mm-hmm. so long since we recorded Reanimator. I'm trying to remember how to do this podcast. Yeah, me uh, too. So bear with us, everyone. But yeah, Bride of Reanimator. Uh, Eric, uh, no blood. And, uh, before we get into the blood and guts check, I want your oh, your original blood and guts check from before we watched this. Because I know yep. this is a movie you'd seen before. What were you thinking about Bride of Reanimator before you watched it this this week? Um, so the before the first time I've only seen this movie twice now. Um, okay. And the first time, my wife and I, it was like during like a Halloween time, like binge of horror movies, and we started it and like did not finish it the first night. Like she like fell asleep, and we're mm-hmm. both big Reanimator fans. Like she loves the original Reanimator. Um, okay. And I could tell she was just like not into this one. And that sort of colored my experience a bit. Then I ended up finishing it like a few days later, like late at night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay. This time around, mm-hmm. um, I was aware of that. And I always try to come in fresh or like even with my expectations appropriately lowered. You know what I mean? Like, right. Be like, I didn't really love it the first time I saw it, but maybe I'll find something in this viewing um sure yeah and so i just came in with an open mind uh but my uh, from my initial memory of it was that it was kind of a a little bit of a not a mess that's too too mm-hmm. harsh of a term but it was a little less focused than the original yeah uh sure 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 okay cool what about yourself you said how many times have you seen this one oh i've seen this a bunch of times uh, I mean, I would ballpark it around five or six, mm-hmm. and and just because of the 
the fact that it ended up being, um, was it the first episode of this newest season of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs? It might be, yeah, I don't remember. I think it was the first episode, so just like a couple months ago, um, maybe in the last two months, I watched it, and then I watched it again this week. Mm -hmm. So I've seen it twice in the last three months, (laughs) (laughs) and before that I'd probably seen it four times or so. So, um, And yeah, in my memory, uh, it was always lesser. Mm-hmm. than the first but um i think i always still considered it to be fun yeah. and kind of uh you know not um it wasn't a shameful sequel in any sense it was just like yeah it's just it was like a real cult down the middle sequel where it's like a little bit of a copy that loses something in the trans you know in the recreation and you know, maybe didn't have quite as much uh, ingenuity or quality as the first one, but it, like, gave you more of the same sort of stuff you liked. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm glad it exists, but, uh, eh, eh, you know. Uh, and I will say, <laughs> if we want to transition right into Blood and Guts Check, that's it, yeah. mostly still how I feel yeah, about it. Yeah, that's mostly how I feel about it, too. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, I definitely enjoyed it more than the first time I saw it. And I think okay. I was thinking a little hard about this today. It suffers by comparison to the original, but mm-hmm. if this were just another movie that had right. nothing to do with the original an- reanimator, that movie didn't exist, it would be pretty fucking cool. You know what I mean? It's a fun, yeah. it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's super gory. The special effects are pretty good. There's some stuff mm-hmm. that does that's not great, but most of like the body effects are like really good. Yeah, um, it loses a little bit in the characterizations of both i think well not so much west dan i don't know Mm -hmm. he's a little bit all over the place as a character in this one i mean yeah and i think part of that is probably the fault of the script where it's just like his motivations don't totally make sense yes you know yeah 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 yeah. and that that was the last thing i was gonna bring up is the script is just definitely i commented on on the other episode of the Mm -hmm. reanimator that script's pretty airtight like it's Mm -hmm. every scene advances the plot and it's like it all makes sense this one it's like it's a little bit of a messier script that's just not as doesn't sing yeah. as well. Yeah, and not to be like Monday morning quarterback or anything, uh, even though that's mostly what I do on this podcast. <laughs> um, I think that like an idea that came to me in this most recent watch was like, you know, what kind of could have maybe held the plot together a lot better and given Bruce Abbott more to do mm. is to give a little bit of the mad scientist heavy lifting to Dan mm. because it's still mostly driven by Herbert who's and West is such a great character yeah. that I totally get that. And you want Jeffrey Combs to do his mad scientist thing. That's like what it's part of what people pay to see with a movie like this. Right. But he's sort of dragging Dan Kane's character along the whole time and at various points he's on board and then he's not on board almost sometimes in the same scene yeah exactly and it just becomes it like kind of wears on you yeah um but if you really if you approach if you attacked it from a perspective where it's like no I mean he lost the love of his life and this whole pursuit is this insane hope kind of like you know the same motivation he has in the final scene of the original movie yeah that it's like this is my only this is my only path forward. I it's like I have to bring her back. So imagine a movie like that where uh 
Dan's character is the one who is sort of crazed and driven and yeah. has to like continue this journey. And maybe that allows Combs to play a slightly different note, which is, Dude, you know, that yeah. is such a good point. And yeah, I agree with you. Like Dan is, is overcome with grief about losing Meg and wants to assemble this, you know, bride of reanimator to, mm-hmm. to bring her back. And then even if West is like, Oh, I mean, yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'm helping you because it's part of, it right. is interesting to me, but Dan, you, you're, you're letting your emotions get mixed up into this mm-hmm. or something like that. That would be great. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that Herbert has to be this sort of like voice of reason so much as right. it's like, he's the voice. Well, in, in a way it's like, he's always driven by logic, right? Like right, he's exactly. the scientist. And it's so like, you just sort of laid it out. This dynamic of like, Dan is all emotion and being driven by like crazed emotion. And West is like, no, we must approach this scientifically. Yeah. You know, and it's funny um, there there is like a few moments in the script in the movie that where West is like is that actually kind of like looks at Dan like what are you doing man and like <laughs> I'll I'll point him out in the recap but they always made me yeah. laugh when like when West is like mm, I don't know that seems bad <laughs> <laughs> right and it's that kind of thing where you're like all right if this guy thinks this is a bad idea then yeah. <laughs> you really gotta check like do a self check and yeah. just kind of uh, figure out what's going on. Or uh, another note would be like to have Hill, the head of Dr. Hill, Mm -hmm. to be more of a mastermind than he is. Because it's like, it's sort of two different things happening where, Mm -hmm. and maybe this is the case with the original movie, uh, but it's like Dan and West are creating their own monster. Then Hill's kind of just like a little nuisance on the side. He's like trying to get revenge. But if it were more orchestrated by Hill... To have, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like to have him be more of a big bad than just yeah. Like I mean, I certainly think that you're you're getting at something which is a shortcoming of the movie, which is that these two like they feel detached from each other. Like, yes, yeah, they the do. First movie really, like you said, that airtight script really weaves together Hill as an antagonist and the story of West and Kane as you know these mad scientists. Whereas this one is just kind of like two plots. Yeah. That just do their own thing until the very end, more or less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, but I think, oh, like, you hit on some things that I do. I think, you know, again, you and I tend to be fairly forgiving when it comes to practical effects and sort of like, yeah, yeah. you know, some things don't work. That's no big deal. And, and that's mostly how I feel about this movie. I'm inclined to be very forgiving because there's a lot of stuff that looks really good. And there's some stuff that doesn't. But overall, I'm I find myself coming away feeling impressed and inspired by most of the effects work in the movie. Yeah, I think my biggest gripes with the effects are all of the animal stuff, like mm. like the lizard in the bat in the uh-huh. dog. They all look really bad. They just look like <laughs> the dog doesn't animals. look great, but I do find it pretty fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog's very funny, uh, and the, but the bat is just like a plastic bat. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Um, well, that's a good place to segue into, I think we can talk about the special effects and also we can bring in, we have a directing change here for those who don't know, um, or listeners who paid a lot of attention back in the very beginning when we were covering, uh, Return of the Living Dead. So this is, uh, directed by Brian Yesna, who mm-hmm. was the producer of the original film, right? 
Um, and he is also the director of Return of the Living Dead 3, uh, directed Society, a movie we often, uh, you know, stump for. Um, and he did The Dentist and The Dentist 2. But, you know, mostly uh, a guy who uh, started his career as a producer, worked hand in hand with Stuart Gordon quite a bit. Um, and I think is, uh, is somebody who has a really interesting career path because he has never done anything on the level of like reanimator where people are like, this is a great movie. Yeah. But he's done a lot of stuff. That's like, that is a crazy movie that has definitely some things to recommend it. And then he's done a lot of things that have kind of not gotten off the ground so well. Um, but yeah, I mean, did you feel like you could feel a directorial, like a shift in the voice in terms of the first and this and this one? Yeah, I was kind of looking out for that. Um, I'll say that I think stylistically, the look of the movie looks pretty much on par with mm-hmm. the Stuart Gordon version, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the acting... The performances, you know, West is always, you know, Jeffrey Combs is great, uh, uh, as usual. Dan, yeah. I think, suffers a little bit in this one compared to the last one. And mm-hmm. that that might come down to to directing. Yeah. Like his, his reigning in his performance a little bit. Uh, but then you're not horribly so. Um, mm-hmm. And then definitely the gore is more i mean of course pretty out there in the first movie too but it's sure it's but kind it of still escalates here it escalates it and it's it is like open wounds and <laughs> and it's like knowing brian yuzna yeah like with society and in return of living dead like it makes it like this is that feels like the biggest shift in like yeah directorial authorship it's just like yeah now now every rib cage is split open and gushing blood all the time, everywhere. There's so much splattered blood in almost every scene. Sure. Yeah. I read a really interesting interview with Brian Yesna in preparation for this. And one of the things that he acknowledged as being a big difference between him and Gordon in terms of the way they directed these two movies is that so Gordon, we talked about, he's a he comes from a theater background. He's a director of actors. That's kind of like his forte, right? And so a lot of the way that he shot the first one was a lot of uh, mobile cameras, right? So handheld, steady cam, mm-hmm. but the ability to kind of move around the actor and move around the room. And he liked to use bigger sets and kind of give the actors, you know, all the things you would expect from someone with a theatrical background, like give them an opportunity to move around, follow them with the camera, focus the camera on them and, and their performance. Whereas Yuzna says, like, his thing was he wanted everything super controlled. And, like, so it's smaller sets that are super um, manicured, detailed. Like, the lighting is incredibly specific. Uh, Mm -hmm. He kind of anecdotally recounts how some of the actors would be frustrated because your physical marks that you have to hit were so specific. Right. Where you'd have to land within a couple centimeters of the same spot on every take because the lighting was set up in such a way where it's like, even if you'd shifted out of your light by an inch or two, it would Mm -hmm. compromise the look of the shot. Um, And so I think things like that approaching shooting the movie from those two different perspectives could account for a lot of what you're talking about in terms of maybe the performances being stronger in the first movie 
versus in this sure one. just kind of having to do that in addition to saying your lines doing right. mental math of like step here do this yeah 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 because i think that you know it's easy for people to when you hear that idea that like Stuart Gordon is an actor's director to like oversimplify what that means. And that, and maybe in, in someone's mind, that just means, well, you sit there behind the camera and you coach the actor and you tell them how to do stuff and yeah. support them. But it's more than that. It's also an approach to the production and whether that approach sort of uh, supports and uh, you know, kind of makes the path easier for an actor versus yeah. to put them into uh a harder situation like like might have been the case here. Yeah, so for me when somebody says an actor's director that that I read that as they gave time for rehearsals mm-hmm. and blocked the scene around you know obviously you'll have to hit certain marks to do certain right. things but block the scene in the, in the cameras and move them around depending on what the actors kind of naturally did or worked out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and not vice versa where it's like you stand here, say this line, then you move over here, stay this, say this line. And yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, when somebody says that, that's kind of what I think. I think a lot of that's accurate. Yeah. And you mentioned rehearsals. That was something that happened for the first movie, that there were a couple weeks of script rehearsals uh, that happened before they started shooting. This movie was shot very quickly. Okay. Um, so quickly that, you know, Yuzna had not originally intended to direct. He wanted Stuart Gordon back. But Gordon wasn't available, and because of sort of the arrangement with the production company, the money being available, having essentially like a timeline, a runway set out where they could shoot this, there was an offer to Gordon to direct it, and he was interested, but it was just like, well, I can't do it right now. And they were like, well, we got to do it right now. So, hmm. so he took over directing. And I think that also, if you read some interviews with Yuzna, jives very much with this impression that you get that he is a creative guy obviously like he's he's done some really interesting stuff uh as a director but you know he came to this as a producer first and he still has a very production minded approach uh in his interviews he talks so much about getting funding for movies he talks so much about dealing with the different stakeholders in a production and in fact, like the the interview that I read, a third of it is devoted to him essentially giving advice to young horror filmmakers, saying more or less that like massaging the money and the the possibility, the practical making of the film is just as important, if not more so than whatever creative idea you bring to it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said was that when he ended up doing The Dentist was after he did Return of the Living Dead 3, I think what it, that was Trimark, and they were fairly happy with him and, and how that movie went. And I think the head of Trimark or one of their you know major producers went to Yuzna and said, hey, like, what do you want to do next? Like, we would do something else with you. Like, what are you interested in? And he turned it around. And he was like, well, what do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. Because his 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 thought process was, if there's a project they already want to get off the ground, then so many of those hurdles are out of the way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like this fight to get your thing made. Whereas, and they essentially showed him like some storyboards and a rough script for the dentist. And he was like, yeah, I'd love to do this. This sounds cool. I'll do like a murderous dentist thing. And, and obviously that movie got made. And so... I th- I think this is all really interesting, and I'm curious what you think, Eric. 
because, you know, it's I don't know that it's a compelling argument that you should be focusing on like finances and practicality first, but obviously it's something that you can't just ignore when it comes to No, I mean to it's it's without that your movie will not get made. Yeah. It'll have to be like self-finance or you do you raise the financing yourself, which is a gamble always. Right. But if you have the full support of a of a of a studio behind you or even a small studio just because in, in like make the thing that they want make it your own in some way mm-hmm. i think that's that is a very that's cool i didn't realize that he had done that um because you know there's a lot of rightfully so we we definitely tend to glamorize the people who are the mavericks who go out and do everything themselves and this is my mm-hmm. vision but like most working filmmakers directors are just hired to do mm-hmm. a thing you know what i mean like yeah. mo- more, more than way more than are who are these quote unquote auteurs. Um, so being comfortable with like making somebody else's project, but still making it your own. Don't just like, right. you know, pimp yourself out to, to these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's a very, very valuable tool to, if you want to work, which you know, I'm not a working director. So <laughs> who am I to say I've only made dumb bullshit that I, that we financed ourselves. Right. But, <laughs> but I would give the creative oppor- autonomy, right? Given the opportunity. <laughs> hey, I'll make your thing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Cause I think a lot of what you're talking about, it almost in what he's talking about to a certain degree, it, it resembles more what directing means in the television world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, than in film. Yeah. Which is, yeah. was a thing that I was like quickly educated on once I got to Hollywood. Whereas it like turns out that being the director of an episode of TV, it's not really the same thing as being the director of a feature film, no, which is more akin to being a showrunner on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, director of a TV show is more of like it's a it's more of a technical thing. I mean, you're working with the actors for sure, but like, of course, yeah. At that point, you're stepping into something where, you know, I always think of Breaking Bad or something. Mm-hmm. Brian Cranston knows what Walter White's going to do. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you're, you don't got much yeah. to tell him. Just tell him where to go. Right. And, you're not empowered to come in and change the tone of the entire show and the performances yeah. of your regular cast. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, other thing that I thought was interesting that we talked about a little bit with Return of the Living Dead 3 uh, is on that movie, we discussed how there were so many effects that needed to be done. And and because of the limited budget that they had to do it, that Yuzna essentially hired three different special effects houses to work on different parts of the movie. It turns out that that was not the first time he had used that technique. Because on this film, which came out a few years earlier, he used four different SFX houses in Hollywood to wow. work on Bride of Reanimator. Um, so it's, which I think is especially interesting when you consider what you were saying of how it's like, oh, I liked most of the effects, but I didn't like, you know, the yeah, dog yeah. effects, for instance. Right. So what's probably the case is that uh you know you were more into say the work of uh the famous japanese sfx artist screaming mad george Mm -hmm. who worked on all the failed test subjects that come at the end of the movie and they look great those are awesome looking yeah uh dr hill's head and most of that work was done by uh, two guys who worked for john carl beekler uh podcast favorite um who are also uh, crew members who worked on the first one. Uh, then The Bride, everything with The Bride specifically, just The Bride, was done by KNB. 
Oh, um, okay. That that makes sense. Yeah. And then lastly, you had a guy named Tony Dublin of Dublin Effects who so I'll say he had some wins and some losses for me because he was responsible for the uh, Francesca's dog puppet with the yeah. human arm. <laughs> um, uh, but he also uh, ran point on the eye finger creature. Oh, which um, is awesome. Which is a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. Especially I'm a huge fan of the stop motion puppetry that, that makes up part of that sequence. So. Yeah, but I think that's a really cool approach, and it's interesting um, that that's something that Yuzna has gone to more than once. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, I guess in, in a movie of this level too, it's like you, it would be very difficult for one team to do all of these things and get it done on time. So it makes yeah. sense, right? Especially because I, as I alluded to earlier, it was a quick production. They they shot everything in just under six weeks. I think it was five and a half weeks wow. was the entire yeah, the entire production. And so, yeah, to ask one studio to do all of that, it would have to be a huge studio to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and then it would cost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, um, just a couple other things. So returning cast, our leads are back, right? We talked about Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Abbott as Dr. Herbert West and Dan Kane. Uh, and then also our, our lead protagonist, Dr. Hill, still played by David Gale, um, who decided to come back despite all of the perhaps apocryphal, but multiple stories that his wife left him after he uh, did all of the Barbara Crampton assault scenes in the really? first one. Yes. You said, also, you said protagonist. You meant antagonist. I meant antagonist. If I said protagonist, I was mistaken. <laughs> I didn't mean it. Um, and then his new additions... left him because of that? Oh, man. Yeah, right? It's, it's absolutely crazy. Um and new additions to the cast, we have uh, Mel Stewart as Dr. Graves, uh-huh. who's sort of, uh, who, who I enjoyed in this, uh, kind of, not really, uh, not an antagonist, but certainly the uh, catalyst for the, you know, sort of uh, Dr. Hill's storyline, right? Yeah. He's funny uh, in this. I, I like it. He is. I think he's good. Uh, Claude Earl Jones as uh, Lieutenant Chap- Chapham. No relation. Um, oh, really? Oh, you know, I just sure. got that confused in my head because I watched Maniac Cop 2 this weekend, uh, which does have James Earl Jones's dad in it. Yeah. So when he, said, actor, yeah. when he said Claude Earl Jones, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy. And I saw like <laughs> in my mind, I was thinking of Maniac Cop 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, the lieutenant in this one. Yeah, uh, I don't think he's this... any relation. <laughs> yeah, no, not related to James Earl Jones. Uh, yeah, secondary antagonist, and then our our uh, female lead, Fabiana Udenio, mm-hmm. uh, portraying Francesca Dinelli. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> did you recognize Fabiana? Eric? No, I didn't. Damn, I oh. knew you were gonna do this with at least one of these cast members to me. <laughs> Always do, just see if you're paying any attention. Um, well, you would probably know her best as. A lot of vagina from Austin Powers. Oh International no, Man shit! Really? That's yes. funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, but she's done a, a handful of other things. She's done some horror stuff, some fun exploitation stuff, uh, hard bodies too. Um, oh sure. She, she's in RoboCop too. I think in one of the fake commercials. Okay. Uh, and I also recognized her immediately from Summer School. 
Uh, oh yeah, sure, yeah. She's like the hot Italian exchange student that uh, the horror guys are into. I forget mm-hmm. what the chainsaw and something or other. I forget. They do special effects though, so that's a fun movie. She was on Wings, the John Larroquette show, <laughs> Walker <laughs> Texas Ranger. Wow. Yeah, yeah, really, uh, quite the resume. Uh, and then rounding out the cast as the bride, we have uh, Kathleen Kinmont, uh, who I think does a pretty good job in this. Um, she's yeah. sort of she's handed the uh, the tough task of filling the shoes of Barbara Crampton. Yeah, more or less. I mean, we get some of that from from Francesca too, but oh. Francesca's a little bit. I don't, I don't know. She's kind of a. That was my other complaint. Yeah. Um, is the there's the multiple love interests like sure is confusing it's weird i don't i don't know that it completely works yeah yeah i think you're right because again it confuses dan's motivations right yeah yeah even like within a scene mm-hmm. you'll be like against francesca hot over the bride then all of a sudden he just switches and you're not right. really sure yeah yeah um yeah i think it it, it does get a little messy but I thought the most fun trivia about Kathleen Kinmont is that for four years she was married to Lorenzo Lamas. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least she got out. Yes. They got divorced in 1993, and uh, she's written several articles for the Huffington Post about being divorced and probably about Lorenzo Lamas, I'm guessing. <laughs> um, yeah, and she was also uh during that period of time she was a regular cast member on Renegade. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So, Cheyenne <laughs> Phillips, that was her character's name. Um, <laughs> that's such a Renegade character name. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, uh that's your behind the scenes rundown on Bride of Reanimator. Uh, you know, what else didn't I say? Oh yeah, shot in uh 1990. Got a festival release in 90, but didn't come out until 91. And I'll say this one more thing. It is crazy to me to think about how this movie, which is now 20 years old, 30 years old, 30, 30 years old, right? No, 20, 30. Fuck. My brain is broken. 90? So 91, be, uh, 30 rolls. 30s. Yeah, 30. 30 years old. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How are you? Um... <laughs> But it's like I when I saw this movie, I thought about it as being like, oh, yeah, that is like a movie that came out a long time ago. Um, I, I saw this movie in like 1995. I saw this movie mm. when it was four years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, which is just mind blowing to me now to think about it. Um, yeah, yeah. The 80s felt a lot further away because I was thinking about the original Reanimator, right, which I I probably saw this these the same year because I loved Reanimator, so I went out and I saw I rented this right yeah. after I saw the first one. Uh I was and, I was yeah. thinking oh sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, go ahead. I was thinking about how like I had never seen this and I think it was just that the video store didn't have it. Really? Maybe hmm. it might have been that case. Yeah, uh, cuz I otherwise I would have I don't know what was stopping me. My now I could be completely wrong. But my recollection was that our blockbuster had this and did not have the original reanimator. Oh, yeah, because we didn't have a blockbuster. Okay. No. Gotcha. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyways, do uh, you have anything else uh, you're thinking you want to share, you want to you wanna say about No, uh, I don't this, think so. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come up while we're doing the recap. But, yeah, no, I'm good. 
All right. I'm spent. <laughs> Successful 69ing. Uh, you're two episodes early. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm always early. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the recap of the film. Herbert West is not just your ordinary doctor. Others dare not dream what we are about to do. He intends to make medical history. This is no longer about just reanimating the dead. With the help of Daniel Kane. It's never going to work. It's going to be uncontrollably spastic. And a few select friends. West took my body, but he cannot take my mind. He's about to bring his dream to life. And God created woman. Someone old. What's dead is dead. Someone new. It's some kind of joke, right, man? How dare you judge my work? Someone borrowed. Who is she? Someone blue. This is morbid doodling with human body parts. Is this what it's all about? Something so shocking. It must be true. There is my creation. Take a note of it, Dan. Rejects. Daniel! You're coming! You made me! I made you! <laughs> Forget it, Dan. She's just an assembly of dead tissue. H.P. Lovecraft's Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> Are we having fun yet? <laughs> we start on Dr. Hill's floating head in a black void. West, you bastard. You did this to me, but you'll not escape me. Not this time. Which is funny because he doesn't come into the movie for another <laughs> long while, it feels like. Yeah. They were in Peru, South America, eight months later and 10,000 miles away from the massacre at Miskatonic Medical School. We see Dr. Herbert West and Dan Kane finish up. Oh, oh, it, this is another subtitle. Dr. Herbert West and Dan Kane finish their tour as volunteer medics in a bloody civil war. And then we're inside of a medical tent, like a mash tent with a bunch of mm -hmm. fucked up bodies. These bodies are horrifically... <laughs> disfigured yeah um where they have found a key element for their experiments into the nature of life and death dan and west are uh doing emergency surgery on a dude pulling shrapnel out of his chest he squirts blood like dan's like no 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 don't don't, don't pull that out and west pulls it out he splurts blood out and dies and west's like well his nervous system is still intact grabs his glowing syringe of reagent of reagent and sticks him with it dan's exhausted he's covered in blood then a, a babe runs in it's fabiana oh no uh no it's not it's francesca why did i write fabiana that's her real name that's her real name okay, yes. yeah yeah it's francesca. fabiana udenio we have to retreat the front lines have weakened i'm not really sure what she is is she a reporter that's right <laughs> I don't know that this is ever made clear. 
Uh, I think she. Well, she's, she's interviewing Italian. Her. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe she works for I don't know what's the Italian big Italian news, news channel. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Associated Pasta. Hey, oh God. God. Yikes, that That's was a bad all... joke. <laughs> I didn't know you could be, you could still be racist towards Italians, yeah, it's but fine. I think you just did it's it. It's fine. <laughs> my my in-laws are all Italian. My wife's Italian. It's fine. I can do this. <laughs> my best friend's Italian. <laughs> uh, I eat Italian food all the time. Um, I ate pizza this yeah. afternoon. <laughs> uh, she sees West struggling with like a living corpse and shoots him in the head <laughs> he's like we may never again have access to this volume of subjects um she west sees that he sees her or vice versa pulls a gun on her tells her to leave she wants him to go west doesn't want to we have to continue the experiments and they have the key down there they found the key to all of this this reagent stuff it's lizards <laughs> um <laughs> And West, like it's, he's just like waves of fucking. It's, like a, it's just a like, straight up iguana. I think it's just an iguana. Yeah. Uh, this is no longer about re- reanimating the dead. We'll create new life. Boom! There's an explosion. They all get knocked over. The tents on fire. West grabs his notes and the iguana. <laughs> and then there's a nice ADR line where it's like, "We'll need this back home," <laughs> which is like it's like a clear ADR. <laughs> Uh, then an enemy soldier comes in and starts shooting the place up. Dan gets him in the, with a machete in the back of the neck. A couple more soldiers run in. Wes guns them down. This is a real action-packed opening to a reanimator movie. <laughs> like, like, it is, but, you know, it continues this trend. The first one started of, like, of different location, kind of, like, cold open. Yeah. With some excitement that kind of sets the tone a little bit. And I like it. You know, I enjoy it. Uh, during all this, uh, Francesca ran out of there. Dan got stabbed in the gut, I think. And he's bleeding. But Wes looks at his wound. He's like, you're going to be all right. Let's go home. And he drags him out. Then we get credits similar to the opening credits of the first movie. Looks awesome still. Mm-hmm. definitely a chintzier sounding score it's like synth yeah not not a orchestrated well and you know this all goes along with my 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 general my working theory of the this is the the like 1989 88 89 to like 92 is the true wasteland of scores mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah, it really is oh maybe yeah. that's where i should draw from <laughs> for the for the theme, the theme, oh, no. like, really like fake violins and stuff. <laughs> Don't do it to me, please. <laughs> I'll do a version of it. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> so then we're back. We're back at the Miskatonic Hospital. So apparently, West and Dan were able to get jobs there, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Also, now seems like as good a time as any to address the fact that West seemingly died in the last movie. Yeah, God, I forgot to even bring that up. Yeah. Right. And so I ended up watching a deleted scene, which was bad, and it's good that they deleted it. For, but from it this did, movie? Yes, uh. from this movie. So I think it was probably an alternate potential opener. Um, It had a different actress portraying uh, Barbara Crampton's character. Uh, but it started with the reagent and Dan bringing uh, her back, Meg back to life. 
Uh, and then it goes wrong, as one would expect, and her face gets all fucked up. Mm. And then she just says, my heart, and clutches her chest, and then she dies. Which is, I guess, supposed to, like, cue up that her, her heart, heart is important somehow. Yeah. And then West comes running into the room as Dan is leaning over Meg's second-time dead body and is just like, no, no, Dan. Hill didn't kill me. He didn't have the guts. That's what Oh, my says. God. Wow. That's really bad. <laughs> I know. Which I think was supposed to be a pun because he, like, got swallowed with, by his with, intestines. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Yeah, it didn't. So it's funny because it didn't actually explain anything. But other than to just, like, acknowledge, yeah, I know I was supposed to be dead. But, but I'm, I'm not. not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're back at Miskatonic. There's a woman in a hospital bed, Gloria. Dan's her doctor. How's a star patient? You look great. Looks like you even put on some makeup. Don't tease me. My head's the only part that's not sick. So I guess she has cancer or something. And Dan's Someday. laying it on thick with her. He is like. He really is. And she's very deliberate about being like, hey, uh, West, I see you in the background, just kind of in the room. Nothing's wrong with my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Jesus. I mean. Make that connection. Um, don't worry, surgery's routine, and I'll be taking good care of you. And this is one where like West is even looking at him like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" <laughs> like, like, it's, like it's bad when Doctor West is like, "That's not appropriate doctor behavior, man." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I agree. That is very, very not good. No, yes, yeah, for sure. Is the nineties a different time? Uh, Dan I wouldn't tell- even abuse my my powers as a podcaster to do something <laughs> like that. So, I mean, we do wield a lot of power. Just <laughs> sure, <to> put- <laughs> yeah. I just I mean, want to be clear to everybody out there: I'm not going to sleep with our fans. Okay? No, so no, no. Even I know there's it. an inherent and very drastic power dynamic between us Absolutely. as mm-hmm. horror podcasters and all of you as our listeners. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I would ever, ever, ever. Eric take and I. We will not abuse that power dynamic. No. no. Uh, Dan tells West that he's like, she's not an experiment. She's terminal. She could be of use to us, Dan. Not us. You. I'm the doctor. Well, be a scientist. <laughs> I like that. I like that line. West is at <laughs> it again. And then we get a, this really gruesome skinned corpse, like uh, laying on a slab. Yeah. Looks cool. Uh, a sheet goes over it, and we meet Doctor Wilbur Graves. That's um, what's uh, Mel? What's his name? Mel Green. Oh, Brill. Whatever. I had it before, and I don't have it in front of me now. Yeah. Uh, Stewart. Mel Stewart. Mel Stewart. Um, he's visited by Lieutenant Leslie Chapham. <laughs> Leslie, <laughs> Lieutenant. <laughs> a little uh, dig at his. His name is Leslie. Ooh. I mean, it's, he must be a, a sissy if his name is, is, is girly. I remember my dad telling me the story of like he, him finding out his, his freshman year roommate in college. His name was Jules, and he was okay. really creeped out. He's like, oh, no. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck does a name determine what like, – <laughs> Oh man, that stuff gets deep and deep down in a person. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> so Graves was in charge the night of the massacre uh, at Miskatonic. I thought the case was closed. Not by me. 
he unwraps. <laughs> he is holding. All right, so Chapman's holding something like a, a something mm-hmm. wrapped in newspaper. Unwraps it. Just turned up at a carnival sideshow. It's Doctor Hill's head, <laughs> and his head's in good shape. In the rest of the samples from that night, all the body parts and stuff, they haven't decomposed at all. Uh, and he brings it into the closet. It's like, it's like just normal closet. And it's just roped. It's just like taped off with yellow tape over where all the specimens from the original massacre mm-hmm. were. Uh, and they're, they're not even on ice or anything because they're not decaying. So I guess they, don't, they can be at room temperature. <laughs> what do you think it smells like I, in there? Though? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like how everything in this movie must stink so bad. Like their lab <laughs> must be so disgusting smelling. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not decaying, and Chapman's like, are you saying they're not quite dead? Graves, what's dead is dead. I shouldn't know. That's my field. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, they see, like, a glowing bottle of the reagent. He's like, yeah, I don't know what that is. I was going to check it out in the morning. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> guess we'll check that out later, too. Right, and it is all very, I mean, and not to, like, shit on the movie, but it's all very funny that, like, Dan and Herbert had time to like go to fucking Peru and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And everybody here was just like, we're going to wait to really look into anything that happened. Yeah, exactly. Until these two dudes get back like from Peru. Eight months later. <laughs> then it can finally figure out what this glowing stuff is. <laughs> um. So then they're in a crematorium and a woman, a dead body is about to get torched. And she was a ballet dancer who cut off her feet. But uh, somebody took the feet. They're missing. Hmm. Uh, who'd want to steal body parts? Cut to Wes slinking around in that supply closet. Um, and he's like, "What?" Like, he's like, "Look!" He looks and sees like it's all the body parts. He's like, yes, he gets excited. <laughs> and he's like looking like a kid in a candy store. He pulls out Megan Halsey's heart and pockets it, <clears throat> and in a real creepy way, like he's gonna try to fuck it later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he finds Dr. Hill's head. How did you get back here? So apparently he's the one who sent Hill's head to a carnival or something, just like for for revenge. Yes, I think so, because there was also a deleted scene that I didn't have a chance to watch, but apparently there was a scene of Dr. Hill's head at a carnival. That's funny. <laughs> what do you think of the location of the wheel in the brain now, Dr. Hill? Um... <laughs> Then he's like, well, you actually did help me. You proved that there's that consciousness resides in every part of the body. Look at you now. You're nothing but a deadhead. A no body. <laughs> Laying it on thick with a comedy. Yeah. And then uh, we kind of like, we see through Hill's eyes. And you see like, you know, West. And we hear him like slightly breathing. So he's not fully dead yet. Uh, the lieutenant sees Wes coming out of the of that uh, room and clocks him. And then Dan's by Gloria's bed. She's pale as shit and coughing. He's holding her hand. <laughs> then he pulls up to their cemetery-adjacent house where he lives with Dr. West, and the place is a total fucking mess. It's like, a, it's like they, they've done nothing to the living quarters. <laughs> uh, Dan checks out the special back room of the basement to find West. And he sees like those feet from the ballerina are down there. And then we get a jump scare because West is hiding in a literal hole in the wall. He said, Hey, we share a wall with a crypt in the cemetery. 
Yeah, this this whole scene has real uh, Dan Aykroyd and Ghostbusters. Vibes. Yeah, it does. Well, I wrote actually uh, to pull from my own oeuvre. West is in sex piss mode in this movie, and like because he's like in, in part two, he's just like in hog heaven. He's like having the time of his life. He's he's like right. in a good mood. It's like I got all the body parts I can want. There's a crypt next door. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, and he has something he wants to show Dan. And he soaks a rag and so, like lets it absorb some smoke, puts it to the lizard's face, <clears throat> and the lizard dies. No tissue damage. Um, and he, when he said no tissue damage, it made me think that you know I've damaged some tissues in my time, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Uh, I do <laughs> it simulates a heart attack and leaves virtually no trace. Then he um, slices open the plastic lizard. It's very, very clearly a plastic lizard. And what pulls, are you talking about? Uh, I, mean, I guess maybe they did use a real lizard. He pulls out like a womb or something. and They extract the amniotic fluid from the sack and combine it with some other shit. And it's the final ingredient in West's special reagent. Um, his special serum. Uh, the primordial ooze from which life originates. Dr. Hill gave me this idea. Then he unveils like a bunch of fingers and an eyeball on a tray. And he like arranges them together and like twists up the nerve endings. There's a lot of yes, there's a lot of nerve fiber. Yeah. A conspicuous amount of nerve fiber extending from each of the fingers. He twists them all up into like this little spider. And Dan's like, huh, I'm moving out. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want to save the whole person, not parts. What are people if not a collection of parts? So Wes puts the serum on it, and the thing starts moving around. We got that cool stop-motion animation. It looks awesome. Dan's all freaked out, as he is wont to do about every 20 minutes or so in this movie. Mm -hmm. He thinks West's mad. I didn't see you rejecting your work when Meg was laying there dead. The eyeball creature, like, scurries away. <laughs> Dan, what was it about Megan that you loved? Then he shows Dan Megan's heart. Oh, it's, his, it's her heart. And this, this sways Dan. Oh. And at no point does Dan, what I feel like any normal person would do, even if they were, like, willing to go along with this line of questioning it'd be like well it was her brain and her personality that's my next note dude like <laughs> they're acting they're scientists they're acting uh -huh. like love is stored in the heart and not like the brain right. it's so it's just like it's the muscle that pumps blood it has not it's so silly that it drives me yeah. a little crazy if it was mm -hmm. meg's brain that would make sense absolutely um, <clears throat> so West wants to create new life, starting with Meg's heart. He, Dan's into it now, and he leaves, and he noticed that the, uh, the hand creature's gone. Someone's at the door. It's the lieutenant. Comes in without being invited. I guess he's not a vampire, you know? Um, West is immediately aggro with him. Quite an old place you got here. Used to be a mortuary. Odd place to live. Well, it has its advantages. He starts in about Hill and Dean Halsey's death, asking them about it. And suddenly we see the finger creature scurry across the room. Dan notices it too. Yep. Classic, like, 
you know, authority figures here. We got to keep this thing away. What do you think the origin of this comedic bit is? I don't know. I think sitcoms, like, I always think of, like, the boss is coming over. We got to cook him a Mm -hmm. roast. Like, like, things go wrong. Well, they, yeah, they do this in, in WandaVision as, like, a literally like a meta sitcom cliche. Oh, that's funny. They ripped off of a thing I wrote called uh, <laughs> I wrote a pilot for for our friends Craig and Jim. It wasn't a pilot. It was an unproduced <laughs> script. It was very funny, but it was a dean coming to visit and for dinner and it was like, yeah, it all stemmed from I don't know where the first yeah. instance of that is, but it's it is very funny. <laughs> Listeners, get at us. What is the oldest uh instance of this uh, authority figure is visiting, and you're hiding your skeletons in the closet, literally or figuratively. Yeah, it's like it's like the steamed hams thing. Aurora it Borealis, <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> it's a Utica um, expression. <laughs> Utica. Uh, okay. So um, he's asking questions. The creature crawls behind him. And Dan tries to like nonchalantly get it, but it scampers away. And Lieutenant Chapman accidentally squishes it with an anatomy book. It's also funny because he picks up the anatomy anatomy book. He's like, oh, real weird stuff you got. It's like, no, they're two doctors who live together. <laughs> That's the weird part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Graves, meanwhile, is doing experiments with his with the serum he's looking at under a microscope. And apparently he likes what he sees. Um, he's starts, like comes. What's that? Nothing. He, he starts destroying some tissue. Yeah, yeah. He starts. Yeah, yeah well, I gotta destroy some tissues with my serum, if you know what I mean. Um, so he opens up a a rib cage of a bat that's like pinned to a, a like a board. Drips him in there, and the bat starts. The bat looks like shit, first of all, but then it starts flopping and screaming around. We get a jump scare as the bat bursts up and like the pins fly around the room and he flies around the room. Uh, It gets Graves right in the face. So Graves cuts its wings off, which is pretty mean. Yeah, the whole thing's a little gross. It's pretty gross. At the crematorium, uh, we see Ernest again. He's, He's a guy in a Hawaiian shirt and scrubs who works there. I assume he's reading a porno mag. We don't really get a good shot of it, but he seems like the porno mag at work kind of guy. <laughs> um, Wes tells him that Dr. Graves, like Dr. Graves wants to see you. And he rests his sandwich on a, on a body. And I want a supercut of morticians eating sandwiches around bodies. It just happens. God, they love to they eat. They love to eat. They're always hungry. And they always rest their <laughs> sandwiches on bodies. <laughs> Um, so then Wes takes that body, puts a pair of shades on it. <laughs> it's funny. And Dan yeah. comes in with a wheelchair. They're going to wheel it out of there. This is how you can tell we're living in a post weekend at Bernie's world. <laughs> oh man. If they just had that reagent, that would have been a different movie. It's, a, yeah. it's funny. It's so funny with this reagent stuff. Because all of that, it seems miserable. Whatever they reanimate just seems fucking miserable and violent and like, yeah. sucks. And they're mm-hmm. like, this is great. We're changing the world. It's like, no, nobody wants this. <laughs> Created life. Terrible, terrible life. 
Uh, meanwhile, Graves injects Hill's head with with the reagent. It comes alive. It's like more. So he gives him back and doc uh, gives him more. And Doctor Hill is back, baby. And he's like, Doctor Wilbur Graves, I recognize you from a seminar in Zurich. And then he insults <laughs> his like theory on like creationism and the origin of disease or something like that. And Dr. Graves gets all offended. <laughs> well, there's no room for creationism in the science. No, no. It's I love, I do uh, I love the running trope of like scientists insulting each other's theories in these in these movies. <laughs> there's not a lot of respect in that community no, in, this, in this universe. There really no. isn't. Um <clears throat> so then Ernest comes in and knocks on the door and Dr. Hill's like, hey, hey, look at this head. Look at this head. Check it out. Dr. Hill, he's alive. Speak to me. But no dice. Hill's playing dead. And Ernest just thinks it's a joke, not just the fucking creepiest thing a person could do. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, imagine if you worked at a ho- uh, hospital and a doctor's like, Mike, Mike, come look at this. It's just a fucking <laughs> severed head on a just table. Dead. Jesus Christ. It's fucked up, dude. Yeah. Not cool. And Ernest leaves. And uh, Hill opens his eyes. Like, Don't you ever do that again, you mental midget. And uh, he's going to help him. You're going to help me with some unsettled business. Meanwhile, West and Dan wheel the woman's body outside. A dog runs by, as they often do at hospitals, and knocks the glasses off the body. And the head kind of lulls. <laughs> Like violently, and everybody's like, "Ah, <laughs> yeah." It's a good uh, playing dead, dead extra part. It really is. Yeah. And uh, whose dog is this? It's Francesca. She's there to visit. And uh, but she's not there to visit no, Dan. Yeah, she's, right? like she's just there randomly. She's in Boston. She's gonna go to Boston for a job interview or something. Right. And then she's I don't know. I don't know why she's there. Uh, and Dr. West is like, don't let the little head move big head, Dan. <laughs> Dan asks if she wants to have dinner tonight. She's like, only if you let me cook real Italian style. Hope you like garlic. And it's like, I was just remembering, like, remember when a garlic was like a weird food ingredient? Oh, yeah. Like, it was like, exotic. Yeah, it's exotic. Oh, he's been eating garlic. Stinky. Like, <laughs> not like the best ingredient yeah. you can I mean especially in. I think for you and I growing up in like the northeast or the midwest yeah. it was like for most of my childhood no one used herbs no unless they were dried right? exactly like, yeah no the whole thing yeah. about white people don't season their food is mm-hmm. 100% true <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although half the time people who are saying that also want you to put something from a bottle on your food. Right, right, right. I would right. say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is like I had this conversation with our friend. It's like our parents enjoy although not my not so much my my mm-hmm. my mom, but they enjoy a bland meal. A nice bland meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the yeah, I do agree with you, that idea of like the things being spicy. Yeah. Um seen some good memes uh lieutenant chapman then approaches her and he wants to know how she met kane which is i don't know a very weird leap in logic for him to just be like slinking around oh dan's talking to this woman i better uh better take her 
Uh, he's less of a character than he is a plot device. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great point. Well, he ends up bringing her upstairs to the psychiatric ward. And he tells her all about the massacre that happened there. There's some, like, zombie freaks locked up up there. They look fucking gross. Like, especially the guy with no shirt on and the beard and the long hair. Mm-hmm. He looks scary yeah. as hell. Um, And I was like, yeah, his reason for talking to her and revealing all this doesn't make sense to me. He's also extremely sweaty in this scene. Did you notice that? <laughs> I No, I didn't, but, you know. It's a hot light. That's normal to me. Hot so. lights. He's wearing a jacket. Like, they're making him wear a jacket. He has, like, beads of sweat on his forehead. Um, He shows her a couple of the reanimated corpses, including his wife. And that's why he's so invested. Then the corpses, of course, grab her and, like, get in her face. Like, they're going to tear her apart. So they drag her away. And uh, he tells her about how, you know, Megan Halsey died and Dan was holding her corpse when they found her. Meanwhile, Dan and West are assembling a corpse out of parts in their lab. They got these metal joints. It's real. You get some real gruesome anatomy stuff here. Like tendons and shit, like peeled away skin. It looks gross. Yeah. And they have a makeshift circulatory system. Um. And they ultimately, when when it's go time, West is going to inject the reagent into Meg's heart. And Dan's like, no, it's going to damage her heart, her precious heart. <laughs> uh, then there's a buzz at the door. And it's Francesca and her dog and a big old loaf of bread sticking out of the out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fucking prop department got confused. They thought she was French. Yeah, it looks like hollow bread and not like Italian bread. <laughs> um, she's understandably very grossed out by the by the house. And while he's talking to her, Dan like wipes blood from his sneakers onto the back of his jeans. Everybody's covered in blood. Even like there's a normal doctor scene where like there's just blood all over West's arm. <laughs> <laughs> just like the ear, nose, and throat guy comes out of his office. He's just covered, covered in blood. In blood. <laughs> um, meanwhile, I always say meanwhile, but Chapman's in his uh, in his uh, office in his car, staking out the joint, eating donuts. That fucking cop eating donuts. When did that happen? When did cop like donuts become the cop thing? I'm gonna Google it. I know. I try to avoid googling things while we're actively recording but i want to know and it feels like an easy thing to yeah. look up i'll continue what started look. the cops eating donuts stereotype <clears throat> something around 1979 1980 really apparently. that late yeah. yeah wow um so dan tastes francesca's special sauce it's delicious they kiss <laughs> i'm sorry what <laughs> <laughs> you heard me uh they kiss and then suddenly they're in bed kissing and meanwhile, West, I like this. <laughs> when West has these times of like just dilly dallying, just like bored, while Dan's probably, West cock blocker. Yeah, yeah. Or like while Dan's off fucking, <laughs> as he often does. <laughs> um, West is just like experimenting with things, which I forgot pays off later. Um, mm-hmm. So West puts some reagent on a severed leg, and those little piglies start a wiggling. He tickles him all creepily. <laughs> then he gets an idea and he jams a metal rod into a severed arm 
and then jams it into the leg and then pours some of the reagent on it to like make it fuse together and it kicks him. <laughs> it starts going nuts. So he throws it in a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, any more, anything else specific about those cops eating donuts or just, just that? No, you know? the next article I found was like, well, it's cause it's true. Oh really? That's <laughs> basically the whole, it was a long article, but it was basically like, yeah, cops eat a lot of donuts because they like work when other restaurants and stuff are closed. Oh, sure. And, before the era of the 24-hour drive through at, like, a McDonald's, it's, like, well, one of the only places you could go to get a coffee and something to eat was a donut shop. Right, yeah. You're yeah. starving. I'm it's like, like, I guess that makes sense. Anyways, ACAB, uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like that Wes sometimes gets bored and just does crazy shit. And then he opens up that metal gate to the crypt and starts digging his way in. Back in bed with Dan and Francesca. You're so beautiful. Your skin's so soft, so warm. And West, I think, is being a creep and like watching from the hallway. <laughs> West being a creep? You don't, don't say. say. Um, he goes downstairs, and there's Lieutenant Chapham. He wants to see what's in the basement. He pushes his way in. Um, and then he's like, do you believe what's dead is dead and Wes plays dumb? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about my wife. Gets into the back room. He sees everything. All the experiments. Calls Wes a butcher. How dare you judge my work? Was my wife your work? Then Wes is like, hey, your wife died from multiple contusions to the head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Lieutenant Chapman's like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> very fair yeah <laughs> uh, so he killed her like the lieutenant killed her he grabs a shovel starts swinging at West and then West uses that heart attack gas and kills him meanwhile Dan comes down sees all of this uh, what are you gonna do well we could get him back on the street walking and it's like <laughs> This shit drives me a little crazy. It's like, you know he's going to be a weird old freak. When, if you bring right. But I guess then he's walking around. And he can't, like, pin it back to you. He's not dead. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing. Is it's like, well, they're not technically dead anymore. So I guess West is always right in that respect. Yeah. But there's some really insane wishful thinking when they're like, well, bring him back to life. Yeah. <laughs> it just, like, keeps happening in these movies. And it's like, that doesn't mean that, though. Yeah. You know that... The, God damn it. He's going to be bleeding like, out of his Dan, mouth. this whole time is like, we're going to bring Meg back to life. And it's like, Dan, Dan, what have you seen from every fucking time anyone <laughs> yeah, exactly. has been brought back to life? Exactly. Um, so Wes injects him. He gives Dan a gun just in case. Meanwhile, Francesca wakes up. Then Chapham's convulsing. He gets up and freaks. And then <laughs> he's Wes says my favorite line of the movie. He's a wife beater, Dan. Use the gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line delivery, too. <laughs> oh, uh, he and Dan struggle. Wes cuts his hand off of the machete. And so he screams and runs out and locks him in the basement. <clears throat> Francesca comes downstairs and finds Lieutenant Chapham downstairs. And she's with her. Her dog is with her. And he growls, lunges at, at the lieutenant. The lieutenant just picks him up by the leg 
and throws him against the wall, sever, like tearing his arm, his leg out of his socket and killing him against the wall. Yeah, not fun to watch. I mean, as a dog owner. Yeah, same. Yeah, you know, didn't appreciate it's that. It's not. It's unpleasant. Uh, West and Dan escape through the tunnel in the crypt. And Dan runs to Francesca. What's going on here? She's hysterical. West calls her hysterical. <laughs> Dan, she's hysterical. Um, and I'm like, I don't think she's being very funny. So West must have a really weird sense of humor. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was in a mood when I was recapping. Yeah. Uh, West is cleaning up downstairs and he sees <laughs> the lieutenant's severed arm. And he like looks over at the dog who's missing a leg. He's like, yeah, gets an idea. And Combs does a good job of like the like I have an idea face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they gotta get a little eyebrow raise hmm. in there. Dan and Francesca are asleep on the couch, embracing like lovers do, when she's awoken by a dog barks. So she goes downstairs to investigate, and Wes catches her before she gets into the room. You're not welcome in this part of the house. And then she sees the dog. Dog's right there by his feet and he's alive. Yeah. She bends over <laughs> to, to like pet him. <laughs> and the dog, the human hand grabs her hand. It's so fucking funny. Then don't they like, doesn't the hand like shake? Yeah, like shakes her, her hand. hand. Yeah, they like shake, like, yeah. like giving it a dog, giving your paw. It's so funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, the dog with a manly, a meaty man hand, <laughs> and she calls Dan a freak and runs out. West, like you're better off without her. Uh, back at the hospital, Dan's pissed off at West, but they just need one last piece. Um, so Dan visits Gloria. She's not doing well, and then uh, once again, a huge, like, breach of. Doctor, you know, decorum. Uh-huh. It helps me to think of you as Meg. Meg who lived. <laughs> and he puts his hand to her face. That's <laughs> gross. Meg who lived. And then she uh. dies. She flatlines right there. <laughs> Jesus. And then uh, we get another tit shot as they tear her gown open to, like, <laughs> give her the defibrillator paddles. Yeah. And that's, I gotta be honest, these are my least favorite topless shots. That's what I was just going movies. to say. That's what I was gearing up yeah. to say is anytime in any of these movies, like, well, we got another pair of boobs in, but it's like, no, it was on a corpse or it was right. on like, you know, a medical emergency, which is like, no, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah. No, I'm not a creep. Okay, people. <laughs> I like healthy, happy boobs. Yeah. That's what I am. That's what I'm interested in. Exactly. Uh, they cut her open to like massage her heart. It's fucking gross. It's gory. Dan mm-hmm. gets sprayed in the face with blood. West, it's so bloody. It's so <laughs> bloody. Uh, West tries to massage her heart with his hand, but no, no good. Uh, she calls it, and Dan's like, "No, not again." <laughs> and then uh, the West tells Dan to go home, and then there's a funny moment where. All the dogs, tells, and then and then he tells Dan, "Now you'll have to call her Meg, who also died." Yeah. <laughs> the other dead Meg. Um, there's a funny moment where, like, everybody leaves a room, and West is there alone, and he's kind of near the window, like into the hallway, 
and a nurse is like look, looking at him. And he just closes the blinds on her. <laughs> um. So, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> back with Graves and Hill. Uh, Doctor Hill's head is like having a wet dream or something. It's really weird. He's just like oh, oh, oh and he like wakes up. <laughs> um, damn you, West. He wants Graves to take him to West, and Graves is like, no. So he bites his finger instead. Then he psychically calls out to all of the reanimated corpses. We see, like, all of their heads, like, chap them, all the ones upstairs. They, like, pop to attention. And Graves stuffs an apple in his mouth and wraps his head up in a blanket and throws it in the trash can. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Ernest is helping West load up Gloria's body. Hey, was she good looking, Doc? <laughs> and he goes to grab her like upper half. He's like, no, 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 you take the feet. I'll take the head. And that's because what he doesn't know is uh, he has the head in a bucket. He's going to sneak her head out. Classic head in the bucket. Classic. Uh, so it's like we get the uh, hole in the popcorn bucket and we have the head in the bucket. Both two classic moves. <laughs> Pulling the popcorn bucket. Has anybody ever done that? Somebody must have. Anyone ever? Somebody must have. Yes, but like successfully, no. Like, okay, so yeah, is it a trick? Is it like you're tricking them to touch you, or is it like do this because nobody would be able to see? Um, I mean, so I like let's run with the latter because the first one is sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so we'll throw that one out and say, hey, definitely don't do that. The other one, you know what? Maybe. Yeah. You know, I I want to be an optimist and I'll say <laughs> that some incredibly um forgiving and game partner of some fucking idiot <laughs> brought their exact somewhere along knife. the lines was like, "Fine, put your dick in a popcorn bucket and I will give you a hand job during the move." <laughs> <sighs> Um, all right. So Francesca checks in, checks in on Dan, like at a nurse's station. She's like, no, he left because he was so upset about losing a patient. Uh, then Dan and West back at their lab are going to reattach the head. Dan, Meg's heart is going to beat again with the feet of a young ballet dancer and legs that walk the streets is like a (laughs) sex worker. In the womb of a virgin, struck down before tasting the pleasures of life. Oh, God. <laughs> and this is the funniest one. The arms of a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> she could carry four plates at a time. <laughs> a lawyer's hand. Case dismissed. <laughs> They're all equal now. Nothing but cast off remnants of a meaningless existence. Uh, Graves hears footsteps. In his office, he's like in the uh, weird little closet. Also, notice he's he's missing a shoe in this shot. <laughs> like, I did not notice. Yeah, I that. don't know why. Uh, must be a, a cut scene. The apple ro- rolls to his feet. The head has escaped. Lieutenant Chapham is there. He's holding the head, and he has a uh, he has Graves like slice. You know, uh, right. Side into the side of his head. Sideburns, sideburns area. Yeah, get some incisions. We'll find yeah. out why in a second. Uh, Fran calls Dan up. Lieutenant Chapman, Chapman 
inhale wheel by what? oh yeah they're in the hospital that's right they they like sneak out of the hospital doesn't really matter uh chapman like grabs francesca and like feels her tits with his stump which is weird it's gross she bites yeah, the stump kind of... <laughs> she he like sticks it in her mouth yeah or it's fucking weird yeah. gross um there's a couple of dead nurses an alarm going off upstairs on the psychiatric ward. Those corpses have escaped. Dan and West, meanwhile, are attaching all the pieces. And it's time to inject the heart. And then uh, the tunnel bricks into the crypt start moving. Dan's like, ah, it's rats in the wall. West's like, yes, rats. <laughs> and the light flickers on and off. And God created woman. West is about to inject the heart. Dan stops him. He's like, let me. He injects the heart. Time passes. Nothing happens. The door upstairs buzzes. West goes out to investigate. There's a box on the doorstep. West takes it in. Around that time, Francesca arrives. Thunderbolts and lightning. You know. Very, very frightening. You know what I was going to say. Start up. She sees a reanimated corpse outside. They're all converging on the house. Wes pops the box open and suddenly we don't see what, but it's Dr. Hill's head pops out, flies off. Spoiler. It has bat wings now. <laughs> this... No, this... never mind. What? move on. <laughs> no, no, I, I was desperately trying to come up with some kind of half-assed HelloFresh bit, and it didn't come to fruition, so let's just keep it. I should have gone with that. I would have laughed. <laughs> well, I didn't even have a, a, a joke. I was just like, yeah, okay, yeah. these are the moving parts. These meal prep kits are getting ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Lieutenant, yeah, I just ran out of gas. <laughs> Lieutenant Chapham grabs Francesca, Francine, uh, Francesca. Fabiano Udenio. <laughs> Suddenly, his wife pops out and stops him. <laughs> and I wrote, these zombies are scary. Like, it's pretty good zombie makeup yeah. on the zombies. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. Downstairs, the bride opens her eyes. She's gasping for breath. Dan gives her mouth to mouth. She's covered by this, like, gossamer sheet. It looks like a wedding veil. Um, she looks around. She's confused at her body. And Dan sinks to his knees, you're alive. And she says, alive? So echoing some Frankenstein lines. It starts raining outside. Francesca gets chased by the zombies into the house. West is looking around the house with his gun, trying to find the head. And he's about to shoot it when Dan calls to him. He's downstairs with the bride. And she's freaked out by West when he gets close. And he's like, I made you. Um, and then Fran, 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 Francesca, sorry, comes mm. into the room and then they look at her and they go, she's alive. So it's another play on right. play on Frankenstein. doesn't really work really well because like, oh, they're meaning Fran, uh, Francesca's alive. Whatever. Uh, zombies bust in. <laughs> West shoots one of the legs. Our main characters run down to the basement. They barricade themselves in. And then Francesca's like, who is she? Dan's like, it's Meg. She's like, Meg is dead. And then Dan's totally unhinged at this point. He like is in yeah. love with this corpse. 
And to go back to our complaint from earlier, he also keeps saying it's Meg, but then again, it has the head of and it's being played by the same actor who portrayed what's her Gloria. Face? Gloria. Yeah. So it's like clearly anyone who was to walk in and see this, you know, bride would be like, oh, it's Gloria. Right. Not Meg. Right. Um, so the bride gets jealous of Francesca. Uh, Wes gives some, you know, she calls it blasphemy and Wes gives a big speech about what blasphemy is to him. And it's like, you know, not tapping into your potential or something. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but <clears throat> yeah. Fran tries to get Dan to listen. Francesca, I, I abbreviated her as Francesca as Fran, that, as you could probably tell fine. from we my can notes. Do Fran. Yeah. Um, whatever, whatever allows us to just move forward with her name. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> She tries to get Dan to listen. The meanwhile, the the bride bites her neck and topples over a vat of the reagent, and they fight. West is like, "Your girlfriend doesn't stand a chance. Our girl's superior." And it's like also it's like yeah, the whole like multiple girlfriends thing is is weird. Uh-huh. Then Dan comes to her rescue, and he's like, "Leave her alone, you monster!" He's suddenly on the side of Francesca. Right. Then the. He calls her a monster, so the bride starts getting all self-conscious about her body. He's like, don't you want me? And she, like, gets all sexily up to him and is, like, rubbing herself. And I wrote, I bet Price cranked it to this. <laughs> Fucking sicko. Some corpse coming on to him. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't want your body. Then what do you want? She screams and she tears out <laughs> her own heart. It looks cool. Like, it... Yeah, this is this is the scene that I like the most of their of everything with the bride. This works the best for me. Me too. Me too. Looks awesome. Is this what you want? And he's like, "You're not Meg. Meg's dead." Yeah. The- and to be clear, not just as an effects thing, but also in terms of impact, like she literally rips out her own heart. Yeah. And holds it out to him. And it it is I like it. It works on a couple different levels, you know, and it, it also like in a very simple way, the way she does it also makes you it like it, it kind of hammers home how gross what they did was. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point. Yeah, it's like a, it is like an abomination. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> the zombies burst in. Fran gets grabbed. Uh, the crazy looking one with like the beard grabs a machete. That like Wes swings a machete at him, he catches it in his hands, and it, uh, that always gets me. Like the cutting into yeah, the hand, grabbing yeah. a blade, it's gross. Uh-huh. <clears throat> uh, the the bride grabs Dan by the throat and he tears it away. And the hand comes off, and she starts screaming. <laughs> and West is like, "Make a note of it, Dan." <laughs> <laughs> West has all the best comments during crazy battles with the undead. yeah yeah he does <laughs> tissue rejection and then she screams <laughs> and her head tears from her body um it's really it's really gruesome the lieutenant has francesca and he's being pervy to him to her and he's like my wife understands really then the wife is there knocks him out knocks him off of her Wes breaks down the bricks into the tunnel and there's Hill's head flying with bat wings and all of the weird body part creations that West has been making absentmindedly 
He's been mm-hmm. storing in that crypt. We find out they're all there. We haven't seen most of them, but they're they're all right. crazy looking. And it's a great reveal. And it's funny because it does remind me there's something horrific and very realistic about, especially is this is something that happens with people who suffer from depression and stuff where you just like take things and stuff them all away somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's that sort of reveal that like, Oh, he's more fucked up than we realized. Yeah. Like he's just been bricking off like all of these insane things that he's missed. They're, they're um, all pretty cool looking. Um, <clears throat> they throw, uh, they throw West into the crypt and the, Flying head backs Dan and Francesca in there as well. Shit's starting to collapse. Not exactly sure why that's happening. Mm-hmm. But the ceiling's starting to cave in. Hill's like, are we having fun yet? Um, and then there's this cool moment where like a corpse grabs Francesca, then spins its head around and has another face on the other side <laughs> of its head. Yeah. It's cool. The ceiling collapses. Dr. West gets buried. <clears throat> Dan and Francesca emerge from the ground. They escaped. But Hill's still in there with his bat wings pinned down. And then we cut to all the, the table where all the bride's parts are laid out. We see the heart. And the heart uh, stops beating. And that's the end. And it's credits. <clears throat> all right. All right. I probably didn't get a lot of these deaths in here, but uh, from what I can figure, there's the soldier at the beginning with the shrapnel, a dude shot by Dan, two more guys shot by West, Lieutenant Chapham, the dog, uh, Gloria, in in its various in her various forms, mm-hmm. uh, the dead nurses. I don't think any of you know. I don't know. Let me say it's hard to do like best death in a movie like this because things don't die. So what would you say? Right. I'll extend it. What would you say is your favorite gore sequence in this movie or death sequence? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it is a tough one. I think for me, if I am allowed, if it's not cheating to uh, combine the two biggest gore set pieces of Gloria slash the bride's undoing at the end. I like that. Yeah. That would be my answer basically the heart rip that we talked about that is then followed by the tissue rejection yeah. where the head like snaps up and then back and peels away from the sternum is like a crazy effect that looks really good yeah. um and so that's my answer for sure that's good that that would probably be mine i'll also put a a um special uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, the dog, the dog with a hand, I think is very funny. Mm-hmm. Even though the dog's yeah. death is pretty gross and I don't <laughs> like, but I do love the dog with the hand. The dog with the hand <laughs> is so ridiculous. Yeah. And I will say, like, honorable mention, after years of not having seen this movie, uh, the finger eyeball creature was the thing that I remembered the most after, you know, 15, 20 years. I think it was for me too, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we here on Killstreak like to rate how scary these movies are. Uh, Bride of Reanimator on a scale of 1 to 10. I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, this one, I, I, the zombies I thought were pretty actually pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't remember what we gave the first one. Was it like a six and a half maybe? 
Something like that. I, I'm sure it was in the six to eight range. Probably I, lower than an eight. Yeah, yeah, I think lower than an eight. Um, I think it's probably comparable to the first one for mm-hmm. me. I'm going to go with six and a half. Okay. Yeah, I, I tried to put myself back in the mindset because I think, again, it's useful. I'm sure that a lot of people who listen are big time horror fans. But then I imagine, I in fact, I know that some of the people who listen are much more casual fans of horror movies. And so I do try to think about like, well, how scary would this be to somebody who isn't like, nothing scares me anymore. Um, And I do remember when I saw this for the first time, I was pretty young. I was probably like 12. Um, And I remember it scared me. I remember that it really, especially when all the crypt creatures come bursting forth. Yeah. uh, And everything with the bride is very unsettling at the end. So I will... I might be inclined to go a little bit higher, but I'll meet you at six and a half. But that's my six and a half is trending towards a seven. Okay. Put it that way. Fair enough. Movie's 30 years old. Got to be something in here that didn't age well. Uh, Although I'm kind of struggling to think of something that's not just like the classic, like, ah, he feels her tits in this one part. And that's. That's assault. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Not to to talk down on that kind of stuff, but it's like. Yeah. Well, I was talking to a friend, uh, a friend of the podcast and and a friend of mine about our discussion last week, uh, three weeks ago of of, you know, the whole uh, sort of molestation scene in the first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, And and I will say that, you know, not to like reopen that conversation, but my friend made a good point, which the you know, he wasn't really saying, oh, it's great. It's, you know, without. Uh, you you know it deserves no criticism at all but I kind of compared it to you know there's a famous sexual assault scene in Revenge of the Nerds yeah. that is aged very poorly right where it's essentially like a you know the lead character like tricks a woman into sleeping with him by wearing a mask and I sort of compared the two and my friend was like well I think that's actually I think the one in Revenge of the Nerds is way worse yeah, because that's like the protagonist and it's played for laughs, but also it's like they're both played for laughs to a certain degree, but at least in reanimator it's the, it's the antagonist of the movie. It's clear yeah. that this is an evil person doing something evil. It is a horror movie too. It is. Yeah. And it is horrific. Yeah. And so I, and I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like one thing that I can say positively, even though that scene is like unpleasant and it's a little iffy, the, the fact that it gets played for, for laughs, but at least it's very clear that it's like, well, this is a terrible thing that no one should do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't have anything for this one, so I figured I'd just yeah, yeah. this time <laughs> talking about that. I don't really have anything <laughs> either for this one. All yeah. right, and then uh, moving on, finally, uh, unless I forgot something, I, I'm just doing this by memory nowadays. I think you got All it. All right. Mary Fuck Kill. Uh, I'll go first since uh, – I think mine has the, I don't know, as I say, the biggest potential for change, but you don't know what I would have said before. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have said last time I watched this movie, it was probably in the kill range for me. I just didn't enjoy it. I was probably, I don't know, I just wasn't in the mood. I wasn't in the right mood. I wasn't in the right headspace. Mm -hmm. I certainly had a fun time watching it this time around. The effects are good. Um, It's funny. As you can tell, I was like laughing through a lot of it. Right. Uh, it just doesn't have the tightness and some of the coolness of the first movie. It it is mm-hmm. definitely an inferior sequel 
but right. it is fun to watch and uh, uh i'll probably throw it again it's throw it on again at some point and for that i'm gonna give it a a fuck this is a fuck for me yeah um yeah i agree with with pretty much everything you had to say i think that like probably for my money it still comes up short of a Mary, but I bet you it's closer for me than it is for you. Yeah, probably. Um, because there are like some things that I'd like to tweak about it, and I feel like if I could, this could be like great. Um, and I think it would, and it would still be inferior to the first, but most movies are, in my opinion. It's the Reanimator is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, so I think that everything that you mentioned, I think Jeffrey Combs as always deserves a shout out as like, he's great. Herbert West is one of the great horror movie characters and he does such a good job portraying him. And it's just like, and that's like why, even though I know beyond reanimator has received pretty much just exclusively bad reviews, I'm still looking forward to watching it. Cause it's like, cool. I get to see another 90 minutes of Herbert West. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that'll be at least, you know, at times entertaining. Yeah, it's just like the the stuff that we talked about at the top is what kills this one for me. And when I say kills it, it's not a kill. This is definitely a fuck for me. Um, and it could be a Mary if you sorted out some of the plot issues, some of the character motivations. It also just drags a little bit. It does. Um, it's a little, it's like the first movie is like an hour and 26 minutes long. This one's like an hour mm-hmm. and 36. Yeah. And you kind of do feel those extra 10 minutes. Yeah, I feel like there are 10 disposable minutes in this movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah, at the end of the day, great effects, great Herbert West, bad plot, bad motivations, a lot of fun. Recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it. It's an easy fuck. All right. Well, we're going to stop down for a second, and when we come back, we're going to introduce a uh, a two-parter of a, of a third mm. segment. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Mm. Okay, we're back. I don't know what episode it was that this book first came up. Maybe just two episodes ago. Two episodes ago? Yeah. Well, Price and I realized that we were both, we both shared a common bond in that we, in a pre-internet time or early internet time, we found out about these horror movies that we love to this day and we discovered new titles from a book called Creature Features written by John Stanley. And it's essentially just a collection of horror movies, fantasy movies, sci-fi, exploitation reviews. Yeah, just capsule reviews. It's very much like a Leonard Malton movie guide, but exactly, explicitly yeah. for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Uh, and then so we both impulse bought copies of these books <laughs> because we love them so. I got a, do- a real dopamine hit when it came in the mail. And yeah. I saw the cover. It says purple font. It says creature features. It has like Evil Dead 2 stills, a Psycho stills, Star Wars, Dracula yep. on the front. <clears throat> and I'm a little jealous of Eric because you got your mass market paperback, which was the one that I had Yeah, uh, uh, back in the day. Mine is a little bit newer. So it worked out okay because mine has uh, updated reviews. So it has some reviews going all the way up to, I want to say, like maybe 2010. Or, 20, okay. or at least 2005. Let's see. My edition... Uh, oh, no. I overshot a little bit. My edition runs to 2000, where I feel like that one's probably closer to 1994 or so. Uh, this is 97. 97. It looks like it was it was published in 97. 
Okay. So I was I would be a uh, fifteen year old, I guess, fifteen, yeah. sixteen year old. Um, and I, I was trying to remember. I think I may have got this at Suncoast Video or Borders. One of the one of the two. Suncoast sounds right. I never went into a Borders in my life. So is that true? That is true. Yeah. Well, because in the time, the first of all, they didn't exist for all that long. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I mean, and I'll tell you, the first time I ever went into a Barnes and Noble probably wasn't until I was. Well, I'll tell you, it was the same week that Kurt Cobain died. Uh, oh wow! I, I was on a trip to Michigan, and I watched Kurt Loader uh, talk about Kurt Cobain's suicide in my aunt's attic. Yeah. Uh, and that same week was the first time I ever went to a Barnes and Noble, and then I think Borders ceased to exist by about two thousand five or so. I would say. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember when, but there was one in my in Portland, which is like forty minutes away from mm-hmm. where I lived. But it's like the big city that we'd hang sure. that I would hang out in. So I <laughs> mm-hmm. just like kind of killed time in that yeah in that bookstore. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do first off. Do you want to read a couple of reviews? Yeah, of like so the, the let's movies? just to, to give people an idea of what Creature Features is like. So we cooked up a little a fun thing that we want to do as like a two-part end segment with this. And if it's cool, then we'll bring it back. But just so you guys get an idea of what to what you might expect from a review, um, I have queued up here. Um, I have a review uh, of Bride Reanimator, which we just covered. Um, and it says, uh, here we go. Bride of Reanimator, 1989, which is technically not really when it came out, but it was started production, so who knows about that one. Um, he gave it three and a half stars, and this is a five-star scoring system, to be clear. It says, although not as impactful as Stuart Gordon's trend-setting reanimator, this sequel is worth seeing for its surreal, nightmarish climax. Dr. Herbert West, Jeffrey Combs, the creation of H.P. Lovecraft, is back with his green serum that gives life to dead tissue. It's eight months later at Miskatonic Medical School and Dr. West joins Dr. Kane to graft the head of Kane's dead lover onto various body parts. The feet of a ballet dancer, the legs of a prostitute... The womb of a virgin, the hand of a sculptress, another hand of a murderess, and the arms of a lawyer. (laughs) Meanwhile, the head of Dr. Hill returns to life, zombie creatures break loose, and a cop with a severed head runs rampant. It's one hell of a horror scene when these components merge. Brian Yuzna directed the Woody Keith Rick Fry script, grand effects work by David Allen, the K&B effects group, and Screaming Mad George, Claude Earl Jones, Fabio Udenio as the thankless jeopardized love interest, Kathleen Kinmont as the bride, Mel Stewart. So that's what you get. It's basically uh, a Malton-style capsule review. They they tend to have tiny hints of dry humor in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you have one you wanted to read, Eric? I was looking around. I'm trying to find. Uh, okay, here. <clears throat> Here's the original uh, Phantasm. Okay. Little uh, it's a three and a half star review. Little logic dominates this macabre tale set at Morningside Cemetery, USA, as the sinister tall man Angus Scrim shouting "boy" sends human victims into another dimension where they are reduced to dwarves and exploited as slaves. This hogwash is a crowd pleaser thanks to the stylish direction photography by Don Coscarelli, who has included a severed hand and finger. 45 slugs plowing into flesh and a floating silver sphere that thuds into heads and drills out brains and blood. Coscarelli's only concern is to shock us 
into our early tombstones. <laughs> a pleasing supernatural thriller. Just lean back into your casket and enjoy. Yeah, so this is um yeah. this is definitely like a huge, huge uh uh tool that I use yeah. to I would just like look up movies I liked and then just be like, hey, this one sounds fun. Like another right. one on the page. That's like maybe it was a one star and that was exciting to me for some reason. And then mm-hmm. I would just move on and find these movies in my hometown or wherever. I know that I out. would sit and just read through this thing. Yeah, and, me too. And just like like it was a fucking novel. And when I'd stumble across something that had a good review and sounded cool, I'd be like, oh, I should watch that movie. And I would say this, along with the, one I, the other one I've mentioned, the Psychotronic Video Guide, was basically... Again, before, you know, the Internet made these uh, connections so easy to make, that was how I found these kinds of movies that I wanted to see. It Uh, it was also helpful, too, because it would tell you alternate titles. Like, I just opened up to Zombie 2, see Zombie. (laughs) Zombie 3, see see Burial Ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it it was helpful to, like, especially when things had different titles that, you you know... Yeah. It was released as something here and something else here is a good way of uh, keeping track of all that. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. right. So what we're going to do is hopefully this will kill a couple birds with a stone, one single stone, as the <laughs> saying goes. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of requests for us to cover one-off movies, just, right. just regular old, you know, are you going to do this movie, this movie? Well, no, it's not part of a series, so I don't know. So we are going to, at random, Mike has queued up a random number generator mm-hmm. that will generate a page number and then yep. a second one, which will, you know, one through 20 or so to pick the review number on that page. And then the two of us are going to watch that movie this week and then report back to you guys for the end segment of next week's episode. Yeah. We have no idea what's coming. It could be something we've both seen. It could be something we've never heard of before. We're going to exhaust all of our best efforts to watch the movie. Some of them may be so unavailable as to make it almost impossible, in which case we will uh, pivot as quickly as possible. Yeah, we'll we'll look them up when we pick it. Yeah, we'll do that now. We'll do it live with you guys so you don't have to worry. Um, Okay, I'm very excited. Are you, Eric? I'm very excited. Yeah. I love an All assignment. Right. All right. So we're going to use my book because it has a couple extra movies in it because it's the updated edition. Um, so here we go. I'm going to generate a page number between 1 and 596. All right. A to Z reviews. All right. Here it goes. 113. Okay. Pretty, pretty early on. Okay. So I'm flipping right now, and it looks like we're going to land... Ooh, right at the very end of the seas. So, okay, page 113. And I just realized that we had been doing page number. I had been like, oh, there's 20 on a page. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do, it's actually 20 on two open pages. Oh, sure. So I guess I got to do out of 10. Out of 10, okay. (laughs) Okay, but just to give you an idea, we are at CU. We're in the middle of CU right now. Oh, yeah, next Tuesday. This is going to be something. I I spied a look at a couple movies on this page, and I'm like, I have no fucking clue what is going on. <laughs> so here we go. I am generating pay, uh, movie 1 through 10. We got four. Okay. Number one, Curtains. Number two, The Curve. Number three, Cutting Class. Number four, 
is 1994's Cyber Bandits. <laughs> okay. Cyber Bandits. Uh, it's got three stars, uh, so it's not a total shit show. Uh, I, should we read the review? What do you think? Yeah, sure. Let me see where this is available. Okay. While you read it. Well, should I read it before we find out if it's available? Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, let me, hold on. Sorry, I looked at the wrong app. No, it's fine. It's got some, it's got some interesting names in it. Um, well, let's just start with Amazon. Could we watch it on Prime Rental if we wanted to? No. (laughs) Oh, it doesn't even show up in, uh, just watch. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh boy. Did we, did we just. Just go shit out of luck on our very first one. Let me check YouTube. Okay. I'm looking on Letterboxd. This is fun, everybody. We're just talking it out. Here we go. Cyber Bandits. Um, I mean, also, it seems like it's very sci-fi. Okay, I found it on YouTube. It's on YouTube? Yep. Grace Jones and Adam Ant? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Holy shit. This, This is not a horror movie, is it? It is not a horror movie. So that's another question. Should we re-spin for horror movies if we get something that's clearly hard sci-fi or fantasy that was gonna be my question too uh what do you think i feel like to be true to the podcast we probably should okay Uh, let's do it i mean i'm excited to watch a movie like this but here's what i'll say there may be people who listen to the podcast who just don't like sci-fi movies and you know we promise kind of a horror experience and yeah you know all right, so uh, we're gonna wave goodbye to Cyber Bandits. This is already oh, the, while you're while you're re-rolling. I'll just uh-huh. the Wikipedia entry is uh, science fiction film directed by USC graduate Eric Fleming, um, and has Adam Ant, Grace Jones, Kiana Tom, and Rock from oh the lead singer Martin Kemp from Spandau Ballet. So this movie does <laughs> this. This movie seems kind of cool, actually. Yeah might check it out in my own time but i doubt it all right okay this time around i got page 297 okay um that is gonna land us right at the end of the k's all right and then we've got one two three four five six seven eight nine ten yeah perfect we got ten on the page one through ten let's see what we get number nine is Knife in the Body, which is a, an alternate title for a movie called The Murder Clinic. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go horror. to The Murder Clinic here. That sounds like a horror movie. I agree. Uh, da, da, da. And, ooh my, 1966. Three and a half stars, though. Okay. Let's okay. figure out if we can watch The Murder Clinic. Check YouTube. I'm on. I'm on Amazon. Okay. Well, we yep, can get clinic. it. Yeah, we can get it delivered in in three days via on on DVD. If worse comes to worse, for six bucks. No need. I got. I found it on uh, on okay. YouTube from 1966. The Murder Clinic. Mm-hmm. La La Llama Nel Corpo. Okay. From, great. So we're going old school to start things up. Uh, going giallo. Yeah, here is your capsule review. The Murder Clinic, 1966, three and a half stars. Black-robed fiend with a cowl 
stalks the halls of an isolated hospital for weirdos, slashing victims with a razor blade. <laughs> this sounds like a Giallo movie. <laughs> yeah. A young nurse arrives on the gothic scene to serve as the heroine of this Italian-French horror tale that is overacted but compellingly presented with its period ambiance, costumes, and Baroque settings. William Berger stars as a misunderstood doctor who keeps an ugly secret in one of the upstairs rooms from which weird sounds emanate. Plenty of gore, some was cut for TV, and creeping around to produce, to create tension and suspense. All right. Sounds interesting. There we go. Murder Clinic. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll give a brief review of our, of our thoughts on Murder Clinic. Yeah, and we you figure can... we'll, probably, we'll probably carry over the fuck, Mary kill rating uh, that served us so well. Yeah. Uh, hey, unless I'll post you guys a... want us to do something else. <clears throat> I'll post a link to it also on our Twitter page. Awesome. Uh, so you too can watch if you follow us on Twitter, which you can do if you go to at KillstreakPod, mm-hmm. also on Instagram, um, or pretty much anywhere. KillstreakPod at gmail.com if you want to write to us. Yep. You can follow the show notes and leave us a review uh, or a voicemail is what I meant to say. Or iTunes, you can leave us a review. Yeah. Oh, and before we close up shop, uh, I just want to wedge this in here unceremoniously, but <clears throat> I did have... Uh, a recommendation this week um, oh. that uh, we we rarely talk about media diet stuff outside of the of the show because we you know these episodes are packed from from end to end. But I had to shout out Eric. You tweeted about it. I watched for the first time Black Roses. Oh yeah, um, which you were unfamiliar with, and I had never seen, but immediately recognized as one of the most distinctive VHS box covers in the in the video store. Um, and I, I had never seen the cover before. So if you Google it, it's not so much the cover art as the fact that it is raised. So oh. it is a box cover where you would grab it and you'd run your fingers over it, and there was all this texture and raised art. Um so it was something that always jumped out jumped out at me that I thought was just the coolest thing. But for whatever reason, I never rented it. And I'll tell you what, turns out it was a lot of fun. Uh, oh, cool. I won't spoil too much, but I'll tell you this. It's a trauma movie, which I did not realize. Oh. Um, but, n- I mean, I would say probably one of the top five highest quality trauma movies I've ever seen. Oh, cool. Uh, it's definitely a real movie, and who knows? I didn't do serious research. It may have been just like picked up and distributed by Troma at some point. That's probably um, okay. That's most of their stuff. Yeah, but um, it's it's very Canadian, um, but it's surprisingly high quality. It's got some really goofy effects, and the logline, uh, very tempting. Uh, Demons hypnotize the general public by posing as a rock and roll band. Um and it kind of runs with that idea of just like the teens in a local town uh, being pulled under the spell of a demonic rock band. That's um, cool. Yeah. So I I would go so far as to say I recommend it and maybe even highly recommend it for fans of the show. Uh, one that I don't recommend that I actually didn't finish. <laughs> so I always feel bad not uh, giving. I can't like say I watched a movie if I didn't watch sure. all of it. But it's called The Being. I've been watching, uh-huh. uh, I've been making my way through In Search of Darkness too. And when I yeah. do that, I mean, it's mostly just like, hey, this is a movie. This is also a movie. So I've been writing down movies I want to check out. And this is one of them. It's on Amazon. It stars Martin Landau and Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and it's not good. It's it's. Right. I only got like forty minutes into it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" It's only an hour and twenty minutes, and I have forty minutes left of this thing. I don't think I can do it, so I haven't finished it. I don't know if I will. I you don't feel obligated. That's yeah, what I'll say. I think uh, new there's year, so much to watch. It's not a new year, new me. I'm just not going to waste my time with things I don't enjoy. That sounds good. Um, so come back next week, you guys. We are going to be. Uh, both of us watching for the first time 2003's Beyond Reanimator, uh, the yeah. third, uh, der- and the and the sort of uh, was this a sci-fi production? Something I was wondering like that? that too. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it might be. Um, yeah. Well, we'll get into that next week certainly. But uh, yeah, the final movie in the brief Reanimator trilogy. Um, so we'll report back with our thoughts and also stay tuned, uh, for a fun, uh, announcement. We're going to have a bonus episode coming in, in that week as well, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Unless yeah. everything goes to shit in the next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's uh, our plan. <laughs> yeah. As long as everything works out. Okay. Uh, we will be coming at you next Thursday with, uh, with a bonus app. Uh, we'll tell you more about it uh, next Monday. Um, but yeah, next Monday, look for us to cover Beyond Reanimator. And then, I don't know, maybe we'll try to do the Reanimator rankings and wrap up in that same episode because yeah, it's I think a we short can do series. That. I think yeah. we can do that. And then, I don't know, does that mean we should wait an extra week to do our uh, murder clinic end segment? What do you think? Oh... Or we can just try to that. get it all in in one one uh, big episode. Jeez, that's a great question. We'll figure um, it out. We'll off figure here. it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll, let's uh, let's. I think we can probably keep our. Oh man, that is burn. Let's give us two weeks to do the murder clinic. Okay. Because I hate to burn an end segment. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah. All right, so yeah, two more weeks for murder clinic. So that gives you guys two weeks to watch the murder clinic. So you're welcome. You got an extension on your homework. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. We love you all. And as always, he's a wife beater, Dan. Use the gun.